Hey guys, I'm Ethan, co-host of the Shield Wall Podcast. First off, thank you guys so much for listening. I wanted to ask all of you who enjoy our content to subscribe and comment wherever you listen. Follow us on social media. We are on all major platforms. If you have any episode suggestions or questions, definitely shoot us an email at shieldwallministries at gmail.com. Welcome to the Shield Wall Podcast, where tempered men are formed. All right, guys, we're back here. Uh, my name's Cody. We're shooting another episode. We have a guest with us. You're going to hear his voice in one, two. Uh, well, he said shooting, but technically we're not video. <laughs> Cody, we're not a video podcast. <laughs> uh, hey, this is Nate. So that's Nate. He's not, on the mic. Not to be confused with Nick or Dave <laughs> or Net. It's Nate. <laughs> Nate. He's our third guest. We're going to be doing an episode on churchy energy. Did you get Net a lot? Yeah, every time I go to Chick-fil-A or Starbucks and say Nate, <laughs> usually they think it's Net. Or... Do you go to a German Starbucks? Is that Net? I don't know. Not. Not. Nick? It's Nate. I have my receipt. Thank you. <laughs> so that's Nate. Uh, also in the studio, we, all, we have our faithful co-host. Hey, guys. It's Seth. And... Coming from afar over the internets. Coming in at six foot two. Ethan Hardy. Ethan Hardy. Ethan Hardy. Um... Just so our listeners are aware that the Shieldwall podcast is a an extension of the larger ministry of Shieldwall, which is to glorify Jesus Christ and to um, make disciples. We, we want to do that. So we want to just remind the people that are listening that we have Bible studies in mm-hmm. real locations, in where I'm going to say where we're at, in Loudoun County, in Clark County. Frederick County. Frederick County. We're kind of in the Northern Virginia area. And we also have Chesapeake, Hampton Roads, Norfolk, Virginia Beach area. I just moved down here. Yeah, so. this this ain't none of that satellite weird stuff that you know. Some of those uh, you know churches <laughs> are like, we have church. satellites Hologram. out there. Hologram this church. isn't Cody on a big screen, just yeah. like you know, transmitted down there. And Ethan's got a projector and is like, this is my no. Bible study. Get the fog no. machine, make it attractional. We're not we're not like <laughs> Last Jedi, Luke Skywalkering it. Okay, uh, this is real real life. We got solo pods everywhere. Well, in three spots, but. <laughs> we uh, I have one in Percival, Virginia. It happens on a Thursday. Um, it usually meets in the Lord's Chicken House. I say that often. That's Chick Fil A. <laughs> and we have one in the morning as well that meets at the. Well, I'll just say it's Satan's, you know, coffee house at Starbucks. <laughs> Their coffee always tastes so acidic. And, and uh, did you guys see that um, Babylon B post about? It was about Starbucks is changing their logos on their coffee cups, and it's like a Baphomet pentagram. I definitely thought of Ethan yes. when I saw it, because he's always posting about that in that picture. And it is. It's funny, because that, that sort of looks like the little mermaid that's on their symbol. <laughs> However, Ethan and I have uh, utilized Starbucks and uh, coffee spots, Chick-fil-A, uh, for years now to try to meet men and disciple them and to uh, come alongside of them. So... Seth as well, as a shield wall leader, he uh, has his own Bible study, leads mm-hmm. that, does a similar thing both at a house, and I think you meet men in the morning as well. Yeah, at a, at a local coffee place here in Winchester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's we not wanna... Starbucks because it's tastier, because, you know, hashtag support local. Support local. So all of that to say, we are 
not doing discipleship through a podcast. We are creating a resource for people to um, to grow in knowledge and to encourage others to go out and meet with people in real life. Face to face. Yeah, that's, that's, that's our thing. Yeah, we, we want do. you to be aware of that and also reach out to us, especially if you're in Loudoun County, Frederick County, uh, Hampton Roads, Chesapeake area. Uh, those are two separate parts of Virginia, but that's where we're at. We need to extend that to you. Shoot us an email as well at shieldwallministries at gmail. The topic today, though, is kind of an interesting one because we've brought our brother in who's been a part of the Shield Wall Bible study for a while. His name's Nate. Nate will talk with us in a moment, but I just want to set up the premise of churchianity. Churchianity, you can obviously tell that's a play on the word Christianity. Hmm. Uh, Christianity in itself, you know, we know that in a nutshell, those are just the core fundamental beliefs of what Christians believe. You know, we believe in Jesus Christ, the authority of the Mm -hmm. Bible, the autonomy of the local church, the Holy Spirit's power to regenerate and to empower us for ministry. Those are primary things that we believe, the, the Trinity. But churchianity, if you put a spin on that, it's essentially inwardly focusing towards the culture that a church might make. And then they make that culture an ultimate thing. And then it becomes everything. And if you deviate from it, it is as if you're going against God's will. Right. So it's kind of like a glorification of something that shouldn't be raised to that level. Yeah, you're, you're taking the, um, the community component rather than the Christ, Christ component, and you're making it the ultimate thing. And Christians are called to be light in a dark and dying world. We know that to be true. And to be in the world but not of the world in order to seek and to save the lost by the power of Jesus Christ. But sometimes Christians can huddle together into subcultures that shy away from anything worldly and create unhealthy communities that focus on how good of a Christian you can appear to be. I think that's part of the key. I burned my NSYNC albums yeah. to be here. I burned my NSYNC albums. Yeah, His that, car is fueled on evil music. <laughs> and that can result in entire congregations congregations turning to legalistic moralism. And they, they're just failing to grasp the liberty of the gospel. And this can go on, unfortunately, for generations after generations. And they do have deadly consequences. Yeah, you could wind up thinking that you're saved just because you go to church. Yeah. 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 Or just because and, you wear the right pants. Or, or the right in spectacles. fact that you don't wear pants. Oh. I mean, Ooh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Especially or shorts. Yeah. Or shorts. And today, this is what we're going to talk about. Uh, oh. We have with us one of our friends who uh, has a story that he wants to tell. Well, uh, yeah. And for his safety and uh, security of him and his family, we've blurred out his face. Yep. But his we name care a lot is about Nate. Our guests. <laughs> Nate, how you doing, brother? Oh, hey, guys. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he just got here. Hey, hey, uh, hey, guys! Thanks for letting me come on, and uh, hopefully we can parse this out a little bit and it not get too gory. Uh, the gore. Now I'm really intrigued. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we like doctrinal gore here on Showball Podcast. Before we start, um, story. Nate, let me see, let me just ask this question: If you can either agree with this or something you want to. Disagree. Add or disagree. Disagree. Um, so the idea that churchianity is that the church, its rituals, and those that gather in it, the, the pews, the Bible, the hymnal, the pastor, its leaders and its traditions, by definition, that churchianity, they're, they functionally become Christ, or falsely so. And in this context, the local church tries to be the saving agent in the lives of its people. And uh, churchianity is when the church becomes Christ. I mean, is that like a workable definition? Yeah, no, I I, I could agree with that. Can you yeah. relate to that at all? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Uh, uh, 
So, do we want to go into some backstory, I guess? Or do we, what do we? Yeah. yeah. Who are you? Who, Who are is? you? How did we meet? Who is me? Uh, so, <laughs> currently, my favorite stories. I live in the great state of West Virginia. Oh, uh, man. Almost heaven. I know. Uh, so, I met Cody Trail. Oh, shoot. That's all right. They all know. <laughs> oh, People man. know. Okay. IRS knows. Uh oh. Shoot. FBI knows. Uh, I met Cody uh, probably like 10 years ago. Close. Cl- yeah, almost ten years ago, in that the flies. Walmart parking lot, uh, his car had died, and I was just <laughs> the Lord running Superstore. Some, oh my! <laughs> uh, I was running some errands, and uh, he was parking a couple spaces up from me, and so doing my good deed for the day, my good Samaritan. Uh, I offered to jump his car, and in the meantime, I was I shared the gospel with him, and he we were brethren. I found out that he was he was a believer. And we exchanged phone numbers. You were trying to convert him, though. That's how you found out, right? I was trying to convert him. And you were trying to convert him. I was. What a way to meet a Christian. So So, uh, I wanted to save you. Uh, And so we did, uh, man, that car I was driving was a piece of garbage, though. Holy moly. I do remember that being a questionable car. I'm thinking, do I need to help him out? Toyota Celica with plenty of rust. But yeah, so we exchanged numbers. We kept in touch a little bit. And then we kind of fell off the radar until maybe two years ago. Uh, I saw something from there. I just Instagram, just social media benefited somebody. Um, <laughs> social media, some something from their pot, their uh, their their Instagram popped up, and I, I checked it out. And we met at Chick Fil A on like a Saturday morning with seven other strangers, and uh, here we are, all eating chicken and talking about Jesus. Yep. Yeah, that's how a lot of guys essentially. Um, Came into the shield wall as well. Uh, s- small contact with somebody in the group, and we ended up at the. Uh, I always, I'm the Lord's Chicken House, Chick Fil A, and it's Cody a good just place. drives around just, in his car, just dies, and people <laughs> jump it, and that's how he gets members of Shield yeah. Wall. It was all a plot. It was all. <laughs> it's all providential. Yeah, resting in the providence leaves you no time to dispute His will, man. That's for sure. Yeah. So when we connected a few times, I think it was. Uh, We'd met at, again. We met at Starbucks. Yeah. So these aren't wearing getting plugs for this. This is just true. Bum, bum, this is where bum. I basically Chick Fil A Starbucks. <laughs> they have good ambiance. So we met there, and I think you were making some life decisions. My wife met with you. Uh, we met with together, but my wife was there, and uh, I remember us leaving and thinking, not only does the Lord have you in His grip, He's got you called to do something for the church, but it was one of those areas where um, just even as we, I think it was like two years or three years buffer between mm-hmm. that story you just mentioned mm-hmm. how you met up at Chick-fil-A, there's always been a constant, you know, Nate Clancy in the back of our minds, like we need to contact him. And it was, it was an interesting thing that you were able to come into a shield wall because you've said to us that, uh, you know, being among the men of shield wall in our Bible study, it gave you a contrast. Absolutely. We're going to talk about that contrast between uh, biblical Orthodox Christianity and your experience in what we just defined as churchianity when the church and its culture overwhelms you and becomes the standard of holy living rather than the Bible. So in your Whoa. in your mind and where you're at, what's your story? How much time do we got, boys? How <laughs> much time do uh, you want? So, yes, um, I guess start from the beginning. Now we're here. Uh, start from the beginning. I was born in church, like never, you know, three services a week. We went to, my family and I, we went to a uh, hardcore fundamental uh, Baptist Church in Frederick County, Maryland. And we'll, we'll leave the name out. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so we grew, I grew up there. I went there for 17. We went to another church for a little while, and then we came, ended up the one in Frederick County. 
Um, went there for 17 years, and they had a school, so I went there for school as well. So I was there from ninth grade until graduation. I went to college at a fundamental college, and everyone talked the same, believed the same, looked the same, acted the same. So was the college also funded by the, the church, or was it just kind of associated by ideals? Same, uh, like to the T ideals. Okay. Same, uh, I don't know if I should say it or not, but I don't want to get a bit yeah, that's bad fine. feelings. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so I went there, came back, worked at the church. I was the associate principal of that school I graduated from. I was at the church six days a week, and I was really involved in every, I mean, I led singing, I, I taught everything. I mean, I was, I was, you know, the pastor's right-hand guy. And then a little while ago, I guess two years ago now, um, a year, oh yeah, just now two years ago, the pastor gave two weeks notice and left and everything just exploded. And so kind of threw out all the shrapnel, all these skeletons came out of the closet, just terrible, terrible stuff. It really shook my faith and everything to the core because I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. These people like prayed and cried and we went to teen camp. Like what is going on here? So the shield wall really, really, and some of the guys here, Cody and, 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 and Seth and Ethan and other guys really helped me work through this really difficult time trying to figure out what was opinion that I grew up under what was like right and wrong. And really, it was really cool because they were, they weren't afraid to be asked anything. Right. And they weren't afraid to answer. They weren't afraid to say, Hey, you know, I really don't know, but let's, let's talk about it. Um, and that was a huge, huge resource, just the availability and, and, um, just the, the safe, uh, safe space. I don't know if that's safe word. space. It was a safe yeah, man. Space. So, you can abuse that term, but that's an appropriate term. Yeah, absolutely. We were really open. Yeah. It was good to stretch, kind of stretch your legs a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's an introduction. Yeah. I was, I was thoroughbred fundamental Baptist. <laughs> Thorough, you said you were literally born in the church. So yeah. Yeah. In the, in the pew. But, but the, the difference was that questions were frowned upon. Yeah. So lit, like, I remember like verbatim the pastor would say from the pulpit, if you question anything that's preached behind this pulpit, bring your lunch and your Bible because you're gonna be a while. As a high schooler, I was like, Oh yeah, he'll, my pastor yeah. my pastor will yeah. show them. And then as an adult, <laughs> I'm like pie. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> They're <laughs> so he, not providing lunch. Wait. Yeah. So he was essentially <laughs> standing, you know, having a standoff behind the pulpit between anyone that would question him. This was the pastor who subsequently left. Yeah. So he, then, he was there seventeen years. I mean, it was I mean, he started the church Moved three times, four or five times, bought a building. I mean, it was it was committed. And so you had the, like this really great relationship. Oh, he was like a second father. I mean, mm. he he was. I mean, he officiated my wedding. I mean, the guy he just looking back had far more influence in my life than he probably should have. Like unquestionable influence. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how um, how your faith was shaken when a church fell apart. I think that's that's kind of telling in a lot of ways. Um, because our our faith shouldn't be founded on on the community that we're that we surround ourselves with or a person on a pulpit saying a certain message. Mm-hmm. Our faith should be founded on something that is more transcendental and more unshakable and more unchanging than that. You mean like Jesus, like Jesus Christ and the Word, Jesus Jesus and His Word, the yeah. cornerstone, uh, the cornerstone. Yeah, exactly. Because at the time we were told on a regular basis you know, that we were the only good church in the county and and good luck trying to find another gospel preaching church. Mm. So 
unknown to us at the time and to, to my, myself at the time that we were being brainwashed into <laughs> thinking that we were the old, we were the last hope of gospel preaching and teaching and worship and that everyone else was doing it wrong and that God had handpicked that church and that we were like the last hope of holding back this deluge of sin that was on its way and and I, I remember and I don't know if it was economic reasons or God or whatever, but the town that the church started in was known for having a lot of like little dive bars. And after like 10 years of the church being there, all little dive bars had closed. And so that was like a big thing. Like, yeah, we're scared the bars out of this town. (laughs) And granted, like they were pretty hellacious places anyway. So I don't know if it was- Were they they also teetotalers when it comes to alcohol, the church you grew up in? As in complete abstinence? Yes. 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 100%. It was a sin. So uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get off topic, but yeah, so- Basically, they uh, the idea was that if you didn't live right, so they took the James passage. Is it James? Faith that works is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So James kind of parses that out. So they really took that to an extreme to basically saying if you're not living these standards, then you were your salvation was severely frowned, like put into question. Mm-hmm. Like if you were struggling with something, there was no room for struggle, no room for 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 growing pains in, in your faith. It was basically you get on board, you're KJV pre-trib all the way, you don't question it. It's just that's how it is. Right. And um how you don't ever question like pretty much no questions. So very cultish. So knowing what you've experienced in your own local church, uh you said you were there for many, many years. When you came to uh the Shieldwell Bible studies did you, when you returned, have questions about whether or not we were saved or we were good for you or if the Bible was to be examined the way that we were examining it? Because we read primarily from the ESV. Was that an issue? And if you can identify <laughs> oh. some things with uh, who you were listening to, uh, what teachers that maybe Ethan or Seth or I have like shown you and said, hey, these guys also can help you, oh, not yeah. just okay. us, but like these podcasts or these books... Yeah, so I actually, since I've been ingrained like college and, every, you know, my whole entire education was based around the same way of thinking. So mm-hmm. it took a lot of like thinking and meditating and praying and reading to try to figure out what was my opinion, what was my what was my indoctrination and what was re- like true. I was taught that if you didn't read from the King James, all the other Bible versions were in watered down and they were less spiritual and... They wouldn't say it from the pulpit that you weren't saved, but in private, they would highly doubt that you were ever saved if you got saved, if you got, if you were converted under a preacher that didn't preach from the King James. Oh, yeah. So they would never say it specifically in in public, like from the pulpit, but in private, like just the guys talking, like, oh, yeah, you know, I really don't know if he's saved. You know, he did go to NIV church or (laughs) they they preach from the, you know, they have a contemporary worship service, so they're just wishy-washy. They use guitars there. (laughs) You could have told them that you got saved because of a verse that was exactly the same in the KJV as it was in the NIV, and then they would be, oh, oh, well, praise the Lord. (laughs) That's just grace. (laughs) You got lucky there, boy. But so coming into Shield Wall, because my church was just, the church I grew up in was just a just, yes. <laughs> just nightmare. Absolute nightmare. I don't even have the word. I'm trying to be uh, nice. Uh, so Shield Wall really 
caught me off guard because I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These people love Jesus. They have good theology. They're all reading like similar versions of the Bible, but they all read like some NASB, ESV. Some of the guys read NIV. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Pray for them. Wait a minute. Let me, let me, how to, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. And, um, so Ethan really put me on to James White. Oh, jeez. Hashtag. Oh, uh, so this is, sorry to cut you off. This is where, Ethan, make a note. We need a James White. Sound, sound clip for the soundboard. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah, we have a new soundboard. Um, so you hit on like uh, one of those like if we were to give you a prize, that would be the bur- that would be the buzzword. <laughs> James White is a common theme. Yes, I shield Wallians. It's important to mention why the the reason why I mentioned him to you, Nate, when you started coming to Shield Wall was because of his work on the New American Standard Bible Translation and his work on debating and arguing mm-hmm. and um, arguing against the King James only kind of following um, that, that you that you were raised in. That's that's kind of why it was um, just a very natural recommendation for you. Like he he has a book called the James uh, the King James only controversy, which lays out the process that the King James version of the Bible was interpreted with some of its shortcomings and some of its mistranslations that kind of have led to very dangerous conclusions. Like for example, um, the, the, in the 10 commandments, instead of do not murder, it's do not kill. Yeah. And that's, that's a really big difference mm-hmm. just right there. It's kind of important. Um, yeah. It's really important. Cause then if, 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 if the 10 commandments say do not kill and then the death penalty is then instituted under God's law in Israel, that's, it's a contradiction. That's like, con- and... an apparent contradiction. Yeah. So um, there are some really big differences. And if if anyone's interested in in learning about some of the differences and some of the different attributes of the different translations, we have an episode about it. Um, so you guys could definitely check that out. Yeah, the Bible translations mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. And um, you're absolutely right, Ethan, that that um, would be a great thing to give somebody whether if they're struggling with uh, either the, a fundamentalist background or somebody who is in that vein of thinking that the King James is the only version and it's the uh, preserved text. So it's a it's a great point to bring out. I think a lot of people, just I'm not trying to get off on a tangent, but I think a lot of people see the archaic language of the King James Version and just imagine God speaking in that language. I, I agree with that. I've actually had people <laughs> like, say that. Oh, yeah, it sounds like, holy. I mean, that's, it's beautiful. It's yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Beautiful. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still. I still have uh, like a fancy one on our on our shelf in the house, and I still have a King James Bible. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not against it. It's just yeah. Yeah. when you're when your culture, the culture of the people you're around, yeah. they laud it and they say like you. I mean, they would sing songs to the King James Bible. They had like people would write songs and say like, "I love my Bible, the only God's Bible, King James Bible, all this stuff." And you know, uh, I mean, there's still passages of scripture that I. Whenever I read them in another version, I still hear them in my head as King James, Mm, like the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 23, 1 (laughs) Corinthians 13. Like I've memorized those and I'll only ever hear them in King James in my head. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just so churchianity. Back to our main topic. Great lead back in. Yeah, sorry. You're really great to have here. Thanks for keeping us on. Sorry, I'm trying. I'm really trying. (laughs) So that was one aspect: the the theological and philosophical, like barriers that were built but the other was like the cultural barriers that were put up Mm. saying that um 
you need to be careful who you let in your house and you need to be careful who you associate. You know, they really preach hard on like your friends, your family, your coworkers, and they you really can't have people question the King James Bible. Well, <laughs> not only that, but they, they was isolationism. It was yeah. you better yeah. be careful about who you're around because they will lead you away from Jesus. What's and wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, RC. Um I was just clapping. You can't do that while I'm clapping. I was clapping for the soundboard. Not that he's dead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he's in a better place. Come on, Seth. Uh, um, but no. F- so the the culture the the culture of our our upbringing that that world the fundamental world is you better watch out because sure invite people to church sure hand out tra- we I handed I've handed out I'm not lying probably ten thousand tracks over my my young geez. adulthood, but. I was thinking, like, if I don't give this person a track, if I don't cross the street and catch this person, and they don't get this track, they could go to hell, and it would be on. My, it would be my fault, and oh, that yeah. was a huge, huge burden. Like, I even can't as believe a, what kind of guilt that would that would bring. Like, as a kid, life. like I, my first job was in a restaurant with a bunch of other kids, and I was sixteen, and I felt so compelled to witness to everybody for you know share the gospel, and I did, and it was it was a blessing. But my my underlying motives were God put me here to witness to them, which is which is wonderful. But if I don't witness to them and they die tonight and go to hell, God is going to point His finger at me that Nate didn't witness to them when he was washing dishes that night. And so God's going to like take one of my crowns, or there was not really anything specific. But it was it was going to be I was going to be judged. I have to give account for that. Right. Which. If the Holy Spirit was telling me to do that and I, I ignored it, I'm sure there would be some accountability. But the guilt, the guilt and the weight, it was just, it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So. Well, no kidding. I mean, because you're at that point, you're being led by, by your flesh and not necessarily being led by the Spirit. Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's a good principle to yeah. say like God will honor when you step out in faith to witness. Some people they step out in faith and witnessing. That's a scary feat mm-hmm. already. But when you basically put the hammer down, it's like, God's going to judge you. I wonder if they took that from like... Um, Probably like, Ezekiel 18. Yeah, Ezekiel. Oh, yeah, says, yeah, the watchman. If uh, if you do not tell the... Then I'll, blood will be on your hands. Yeah, blood. I will blood demand guiltless. his blood from you. Yeah. Which is, you know, you, you, you want that. You want people to see the reality of not being obedient. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to implement... Uh, some sort of medium in between the message that the Holy Spirit's not leading them. It's yeah. the direction from your culture, your church. This is what and, we do to honor the Lord, rather than to say the Lord will lead you because we faithfully presented His word accurately. Now, out of devotion and love for people, you'll go out into the world, knowing that yeah, there's consequences for you for rewards in your relationship with Christ if you're disobedient. But the primary emphasis isn't on that necessarily. It's on the fact that you're doing this because he is your master and you are the slave and you will do whatever he commands you because you love him. Yeah, exactly. Huge difference. Exactly. So that was a lot of stress and I'm not and I'm, and I'm not over-exaggerating when I say that one of the last group of services I sat in in that world, they, um, they had a pastor come in that kind of interned for a little while. He preached... He said in his little in his sermon, there was a little tangent he got off on. He said that if he, it wouldn't surprise him that when Judgment Day comes, God would make us throw the people that we didn't witness what? to into hell. What? 
He said that? I'm, I'm, that I'm is not, a new one. That is, where's I'm the heresy bell? I'm not exaggerating. I have never heard that Ethan, before. Ethan, ring the heresy bell. Where's that heresy? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> so that, and that was probably one of the last like half a dozen services I attended. And then I was like, look, man. And I approached him about it. And he's like, well, I was just making a, I was making an analogy. I was like, yeah, I was okay. like, brother, listen, uh, that is, that is insane. Uh, like, I, I can't imagine the guilt that, and I'm, I'm coming out of it at that point. So I'm, I'm, I've, I've, the red pill is still digesting in my stomach at that point. It hasn't mm. fully dissolved, but I'm like, the Lord is opening my eyes to these things that like, you know, and he was getting amens from the congregation. Amen. Uh, and yeah, it was. So, uh, dude, no, even God shut the door on the ark. Yeah. And yeah. Yep. So, can I ask you a question then? So, what was your understanding of the gospel growing up? So, the gospel was John three sixteen was basically, but not com- John seventeen. John three seventeen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just exactly. <laughs> uh, so it was come to church, listen to the gospel, and walk to the altar during just as I am, and I'm and get and get saved. Yeah. This the same song every Sunday. Uh. Yeah. There was like three. Is like sweet hour of prayer, just as I am, and they're wonderful songs. I don't get me wrong, but when you it was part of the emotional response of coming to the, and I'm nothing against altar calls. Like it can be mm-hmm. a very like sweet time of, of prayer with your brothers. But when you're, when they 40 minute altar calls, trying to guilt people into coming to the altar, yeah. um, like conversionism and different things, it just, so in my mind, salvation was, and the gospel was invite people to church, let the professional, mm. Do what God has led him to do, that service, because God will, every Sunday, God will specifically tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. And then at the at the um, altar call, if it's if the pastor is convincing enough and the spirit's moving enough and the people are submitted enough, then your friend that you brought that's, an, that's clearly an unbeliever will heed the message. He will choose God, come forward, and be saved. So there was, the gospel was one part, Yes, John three sixteen. Yes, you can you can get saved anywhere, right. but it was also like um, the flip side was bring everyone to ch- invite everyone you can to church so they can hear the gospel presented by a professional, mm. and they can have a chance to like hear the music and be swayed and be con- and be um, convinced yeah. that Jesus is really what they need and for them to come forward. So, yeah. so what, a lot oh, of what you're saying seems to be. Indicating an indication of their of their theology, because um, mm-hmm. in their in their understanding, they need convincing. Like people need to be convinced mm-hmm. into something. They need to be swayed. They need to be brought to us. They need to be brought to the professional. You know, like all of this seems very kind of anti Great Commission and anti gospel anti-gospel exactly yeah so the great you know great commission go into the nations and teach and we were we were we were always told to be careful who you bring into your home be careful who you meet with be careful who you have relationships with because they could potentially draw you away from the gospel draw you away from the church and so so they didn't they didn't affirm things like uh permanence of salvation or uh, so they like did that. believe in eternal security. They did believe in that, but it was your back. You backslide. So that was like the oh, catchphrase. Yeah. So backsliding. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's a really popular phrase. Growing up in a, I mean, even in a quote normal non-denominational church, like the whole idea of backsliding was was talked about a lot. 
Um, and, it, and it's ironic that they were encouraging Christians not to do what Christ did, and that's eat, eat with sinners, tax collectors, those who are forsaken in society. It's kind of, I don't know, it, it really, it's very clearly not the way it's supposed to work. So it, it was even to the point where we were encouraged not to eat at restaurants what? that sold out, like Applebee's or place that sold beer. We yeah. were encouraged like not to eat there because it could potentially be temptation. So uh, well, growing up, I, I never ate at Applebee's until I was like an adult. I mean, give granted, us their food is daily bread and lead us not into Applebee's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so it was Chick Fil A, it yeah. was Cracker Barrel, yeah. it was like the like diners that don't sell alcohol. There's a couple of them around, but mostly, I mean, we would eat out at like Taco Bell or stuff like that. That was like an eat out. Were you allowed to take communion from the Lord's table because He served alcohol? So it was grape juice. His <laughs> well cheese. That reminds me. Welch's. That reminds me, there was a really funny uh, Babylon Bee post a while ago, um, and the title was something along the lines of, new archaeological discovery found a fossilized carton of, of Welch's grape juice found, <laughs> found at the Last Supper site. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, but, so Nate, you're telling me you couldn't go to the diners for the people you were potentially going to throw into the lake of fire. <laughs> like you couldn't go there. Like that was foreboding for you. So, or is it, wasn't, it frowned upon? It wasn't. And did they have a ledger as to who was going and? No, it was these? just. It was like uh, sounds like dirty dancing, but yeah, in a Christian context. Like here's the rules, and if you break them, yeah. So it was. It was all like the the culture. It wasn't like specifically stated. So you you honored that though. Yeah, yeah. It was all so honor. The system. force was on you, and you yeah. honored that. And so at what point did you start seeing the contrast? Obviously, you said, you know, coming to the shield wall and coming out inside of that. Mm-hmm. But um, your family, like, obviously, I know you have brothers. I yeah. I mentioned names here, but yep. there's got to be some components in there where it's like, we're all in on this. It's a, it, the whole family is seeing this this way. But when Nate starts to step out and question that, maybe even be exposed to the true gospel that Jesus Christ saves you and he has mercy for you every morning and his grace is sufficient. And he wants you to be a missionary in the local community that you're at rather than a condemning force that just looks at people as uh, unsavable or too far gone. You know, Christ saving you, changing your perspective. How do you, how do you view your family and what's that look like now? Holy moly. Um, so I did catch quite a bit of heat when I when we my wife and I stepped out of the church we grew up in. So right. obviously it was imploding. It was, it was undoctrinal. No, no leadership. It was it was terrible. So we yeah. stepped out um, for major for a multitude of reasons. Um, so we did catch flack from family, and they kind of are seeing it now. They're a little more comfortable with it. Um, but the it, the thing is, is like that culture they did have good sermon there were some good sermons there's some good sermons preached mm-hmm. but the overarching like the core of a lot of it was uh be better it was like um like you said condemning the world around you there wasn't a lot there was very very little empathy for the lost and dying world yeah a lot of like i'll fly away which is a great song but that song it's it's it's, it's leaving, right? There's a lot of like escapism. Like, man, I can't wait for God to torch. I mean, there'd be there'd be people giving testimonies in service, saying like, I can't wait for God to torch this earth and come back. Mm. I was like, wait a minute, like, and and I never really could articulate why that kind of rang. It was a little off to me. Yeah, I yeah. never, I didn't really like, take part in it. I just like, all right, whatever, <laughs> you know. He just, but 
Um, you never want to see the earth burn around you? No, not really. <laughs> As the Lord returns, you're like, yes, Jesus, get all our burn enemies. It. Give me some more heathen. I got oh, two hands. Turn to burn. Uh, yeah. I mean, but the, th- the thing was is, and now I know, like, the law and gospel, like, I grew up in a world where they were, it was, in a church culture where it was always pointing to you, saying, this is what you're doing wrong. This is, like... They were taking place of the law. It was they were pointing at you, saying, "This is what you're doing wrong. This is your sin. This is how awful you are." But yeah. the the balm of Gilead, the like sweet gospel of Jesus Christ, was not offered in a contrast to that. Because now I know that my conscience on a daily basis tells me how terrible I am. Mm-hmm. The law weighs heavy on me all week long. I don't need to go three services a week and have someone stand up and tell me. Yeah. How terrible I am. I need someone to tell me how good Jesus is. It accuses yeah. you or excuses you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you don't when you don't preach about the like the incredible nature of Christ and his in his in what he does for you, it you you lose all of the true changing power there. Like their their system of prioritizing moralism over over all else, rejecting Christ in his message is kind of counterproductive towards their goal of making people conquerors of sin yeah it's like have you forgotten your first love yeah yeah and i mean so i think uh, a question that would be could be asked is you know why is it appealing you know why is that life of churchianity like why is that world have so many people you know if you go down south you know southern virginia all the way down to like florida the, the bible belt you know, there's Baptist churches and fundamental churches, not, you know, Bible churches or community churches, whatever. You know, there's fundamental churches, like, like hundreds of them, and they, they yeah. all preach the same thing, and they, the preachers... They all think the other church is going to hell. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So oh they rotate... Gosh. No unity whatsoever. Well, yeah. well, that too. Like, I grew up, like, we, we they're never... They're independent fundamentalists. Yeah, exactly. So there ain't uh, no one like us. I know, that's there's true. There's no one as independent and fundamentalist. Yeah. <laughs> We're the most independentists and... But, if, we're, if you're uh, listening, independent people, hopefully you have the internet. We love you. Please reach out to us. We actually don't mean to condemn you like you condemn us. Please forgive <laughs> so us. So honestly, if I heard this podcast ten years ago, I we would be like, fire those guys us. are those guys are wishy washy, like goofy, contemporary. Like they're can't wa- wait to throw him in. I, the I guarantee you that we are goofy. <laughs> <laughs> most of not most of those other things. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. true. Wah, wah, wah. It's a funny. It's a funny thing coming from Nate Clancy. <laughs> I know, I am pretty goofy. They're so goofy. <laughs> some milk. Um, it needs I, some milk. <laughs> no, I think, people, yeah, that's good. I think people get trapped in that because it it gives them it pacifies their nature. Oh, yeah. dude, oh, yeah. this, the a bill, the what we want as people is Go to for it, the che- a list to check off. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. absolutely. Looking, look now that I'm out of it. And because now, now growing up in that world, Roman Catholicism was just, just vile, venomous, and it's, it is now granted it's so ironic. So, so much of their, so much of their like, and I don't mean this in a joking way. Like so, so much of their tenets, so much of their doctrine, follows very much in line with with Catholic doctrine, um, with authority. With, where your authority yeah. is, if, if you're not here, you're you're not saved. You have to do this and this and this and this. Yeah, exactly. Adding sacraments, you know, um, all of that. So, based, it, from from what you were saying, it, it reminded me of Ephesians two eight, which says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is a gift from God." So, grace and faith are a gift. 
Um, verse nine says, not, not as a result of works so that no man might boast. I think the so that here is really interesting because it, it kind of sounds like God did it this way so that man has no ability to boast in himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, <laughs> like I it's, agree. It's kind it's... of like a, kind of like a headshot to, to any, any belief system that's based on works and based on giving any man a reason to boast in what he can do. Yeah. Yeah, it's so easy to fall into that trap, though. Like yeah. this past week, I did it. I was watching a Francis Francis Chan video with my wife, where he, I mean, he said like the same thing that a lot of preachers are saying now is like, there are people who are in this church who are going to go to hell, and yeah. it breaks my heart. And like, I found myself like examining myself, and and the first thing I go to is like, where what fruit have I produced? And then I was yeah. like, wait, that's not. I'm Dude, I'm not going to hell because nights, man. of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. um, because Jesus Christ paid the penalty, and I believe on Him, and His Spirit lives inside me. Like I'm sealed by that Holy Spirit. That's the reason I'm not going to hell. It's not because I teach Sunday school or I teach a Bible study. Like uh, it's so easy to fall Dude. into that trap. So, so I, I have one more question for you, uh, Nate. What? What led you and what do you think leads other people into being trapped in that belief system, in that church, in that type of church? Kind of like what leads people to kind of feel like they're stuck there? Because uh, for a lot of non-denominational people, I've heard like stories of, of, of groups and churches that only believed that the King James version of the Bible was the only was the only Bible. I heard stories of churches that said, "If you don't read the Bi- this this translation of the Bible, you're not saved," and this and that. I heard stories of those people, but I don't. You were the first person that I ever met who had actually lived that. So, like, what what do you? Th- and and there might be listeners out there who are in that exact situation, or coming out of that situation, or have had that situation in the past. So, like, what? What led you out of it, and kind of like why do people? Why do you think people get trapped in it? Oh man, I mean, I, I guess it could be a multitude of reasons. But firstly, it was where how I grew up. I was born. Right. I was born yeah. into it. I was. I, I was, was born this way. I was born this way. I was converted from birth. No, uh, but <laughs> <clears throat> um, so I think that one thing. I mean, everybody I knew, my whole culture was was in that world, and so when you're, it's it's kind of a a, a never ending story. A giant thing that that feeds itself. So you're in this world. Everybody, you God. Were you allowed to watch the Neverending Story because it was about dinosaurs? Uh, <laughs> no, I never actually dinosaurs? watched Falcor it. Falcor is even more amazing than you can imagine. No I've never foot. actually seen it. See, so. <laughs> I didn't think you'd know the reference. Uh, no, that's okay. Good we did watch Star Wars. I don't know that reference Star either. Wars, but, uh, we yeah. watched Star Wars, but my mom actually fast forwarded through and Yoda was training Luke because she thought he was a little wizard. <laughs> <laughs> so when I first watched it as a kid, she I, I fast forwarded it. So, uh, anyway, um, and she also hated, thought Earthworm Jim was satanic. <gasps> no! I know. What's Earthworm Jim? I know. Oh, Ethan, you uncultured swine! Um, <laughs> so, but what leads, what that world, so obviously it's just a giant, like, quicksand. The more you try to get out of it, the more you realize, like, oh man, I'm really deep into this. And so family, your culture, your friends, your leadership... It all kind of is a giant like interlock together. And so the o- honestly, the only reason I got out of it is because an asteroid hit it and just 
<laughs> it, it all destroyed. It just got destroyed. <laughs> Otherwise, I would still be teaching Sunday school, teaching like how to be like David and teaching the morals of the story. Like that's the only reason the Old Testament was written is to give us like cool morals. Like dare to be a, dare to be a Daniel. Dare to be a David. <laughs> oh man, it's killing your giants. So like uh, I need to put I need to put uh you're not David. Oh, my soundboard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I need that. <clears throat> so um, your the culture, just, it's all just intertwined, and so that's so for me, it took a very like traumatic thing to just break it all out and have help me see. Um, and the appeal is like obviously comfort. The appeal is the list to check off. Like, hey, I'm I'm every service, I'm tithing, I'm wearing the right thing, I'm going to the right place, I'm doing all these things. So therefore, I must be right with God. Yeah. And that's a really hard feeling to break out of. So you were married when when you're going through all this. Uh, like, yeah. How did, how did this affect your wife? Because you you going through a, a spiritual revival, a spiritual awakening, a, a realignment to God's word, that must have kind of shaken her a lot. Being, um, like being consistent in in throughout your life, and then just having a just a huge shift. How did that How did that affect her? dramatically <laughs> so Dramatic. it's it's interesting that the uh what fifteen seventeen and 2017 for the reformation 2017 was like a big year was 500th anniversary of the reformation yeah, yeah that was a huge year for me personally so it's kind of interesting how it all played together mm-hmm. um but we love to celebrate the reformation here in the, in the show. yeah Whoa. so she was a new believer and I guess she still is. She's, she was only she, the only place she ever knew, the only church she ever been to was that church. So when it exploded, she was like, "What the heck is going on?" Yeah. And so it re- even today, even now, she still is feeling some of the their scars are still healing from that that world. And um, yeah, I just took a lot of like. It still does. It takes patience. Same's true with you, right? Same's true. Yeah, absolutely. Like my wounds have healed differently than hers. Like we have. I've worked through things differently, mm-hmm. um, so I'm able to talk about it. But I think I don't know if she has the words to talk about it really right now. Um, it comes out gradually, <clears throat> kind of seeps out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's it's dramatic, especially if you've been in it as long as I have. So uh, I think the biggest thing is just the patience is and like grace. Holy moly, I wanted to chew some people out. <laughs> oh man, and I'm I bet, I'm yeah. pretty nice guy. Like I'm pretty light going, but man, I wanted like. Side Why note. didn't you tell me? So, yeah, exactly. Like I feel like I wasted f- four years of high school, four years of college, three years of teaching Bible Institute every Monday and Tuesday nights for like mm-hmm. three years. I, like it's all wasted. Like it's all. And obviously, God's sovereign, so He knows it all plays into the big plan. Whatever. What that? Not whatever, but <laughs> whatever. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but. Um, Shoot, let me break it down a little bit. That coffee was pretty strong. <laughs> Turn them down a little I'm bit. I'm literally so. on that. My hands are going everywhere. That is, that is um, the uh, the trademark Shield Wall podcast coffee coming to you soon. Yeah, right. But so, shoot, what was the question? <laughs> how, did, how did it affect your wife? Oh, yeah, it was it was rough, very rough. But I think uh, so. Side note. The uh, the new intern pastor that's there. So my parents and some of my family still goes there. He preached the other day, and my mom told me about it. He said he was preaching that the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit were two different things. Oh, oh and, no. And listen, and it's like there's still like 50 people that go there, and there's still A some quadrin- men. Quadrin- quadrinity? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know. So my mom 
And my mom still is like kind of she really does she sees what's happened in my life and sees what God is going through and seeing some of the things and and my parent my family was probably one of the most devastated by this whole thing two years yeah. ago like hardcore I won't go into details but um she was like she's like I had to go correct a pastor I was like mom <laughs> there, none of the men were there she's like no none of them said anything she's like I had to go tell them that the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost are the same person <laughs> and she said uh, he got kind of the bravo guy. for her for using the same yeah word way to go yeah. yeah um and then there was some episode look mm-hmm. us up mm-hmm. yeah there was another one too that was like outrageous uh oh she said someone preached the, uh, a couple weeks ago she said that someone preached that Paul never preached on hell. I was like, what? I was what? like, that makes no sense at all because Paul definitely preached on hell multiple times. So yeah, it's just it's just a cacophony of of craziness. But all right, well, Seth, thank you for thank you for coming on talking uh, about that's, this. That's that's talking Nate. about this. That's Nate. Nate came on and talked on. Oh wait, what? not me. You said Seth. Oh. Oh well, Seth. Thank you. Thank you, dude, for coming on. Thanks, Seth, for coming on and, and talking to you us. Just about it. You just said it again. <laughs> <laughs> ah, hey, I'm hey, tired. Nate. Hey, Nate. Thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, I appreciate hey, it. Thanks for coming on and talking about. Uh, hey, Nate. Thanks for coming on and talking about your your history and all that. We uh, we want to have you on again because you bring some energy in here, man. We need. Yeah. We need the Nate dog. We need you to uh, talk about it's just milk a jet and, fuel. It's just a jet and fuel and talk about West Virginia and and all of that. We Mountain Mama. Mountain you know, none of those references are actually in West Virginia. That's one point that out to me. It's like the Shenandoah Valley. John Denver. John Denver never went to West Virginia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually a song about Virginia, which is almost, almost heaven. Yeah, almost, exactly. almost heaven. Right. So, yeah. in closing, I guess if someone, if someone out there in the web of internets, church, churchianity, churchianity land. is if anyone out there is. Uh, being choked out by that world or is questioned or you maybe have a spidey sense deep down that's tingling uh reach out these guys are great they really helped me work through some nasty things and uh it it was it was godsend so all glory all glory be to christ amen amen as you're talking um the passage that came to mind was john 10 and this is the good shepherd passage john 10 11 it says this is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Hmm. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So just thinking about how much Jesus cares for us, but how much Jesus cares for you even then, mm-hmm. that, dude, like, you're one of the sheep. Like, you you understood that this voice wasn't God's voice. This wasn't the voice of Christ. And and God called you out of that, like, out of this, this really dysfunctional sort of situation. Mm-hmm. And was able to to bring you out of that, give you freedom, give you truth, even though it was really difficult to break down like a lot of strongholds. And you guys are still going through stuff, right? Yeah, we're still working stuff out. And I, I wouldn't say it was it was not an Abraham experience. It was more <laughs> of a lot experience. The Lord had to come and grab me by <laughs> give me a giant wedgie, atomic wedgie, just drag me out. Because I had no idea. I had no idea that, that it was as, as toxic as it was. Yeah. So I, I just think about what God lays on laid on our hearts a few years ago. Um, it's Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10, where it talks specifically about Jesus being the author and perfecter of our faith. 
But what I see with Nate and I see um, just in the providence of the Lord is that we encounter amazing people every single day and people who we do not know how the end of their story is going to be written by the Lord. But it is a fascinating thing to look back and to see where God has providentially put you and to learn from those things if they're not in the proper alignment with what God's revealed will is for us. And so with Nate's story, one of the things I want the listening audience to consider is let the lesson not be wasted. For those that have listened to this, those that may have some sort of um, uh, appreciation for his story because they've gone through that, or they know a friend or an aunt or an uncle, somebody who they they just know that they they hover around that churchianity type of mentality. Is that there's hope in Jesus Christ? We want you to reach out to us and ask us questions. You can ask Nate specifically. Shoot us an email at shieldwallministries.gmail. Yeah, we and, can connect anyone with with Nate. So yeah. if if you guys want to talk to someone who specifically has gone through this firsthand, Nate's a really understanding guy. I'm sure he wouldn't mind talking yeah. to you guys. Sure. Um, we love hearing from you guys. We're doing this so that we can serve people and to be a resource for others. Absolutely. Let me end on this passage of Scripture. I just want to read it with us. Uh, it's Hebrews chapter 2, verses uh, 9. You guys go back. Please read the context. You have questions about this as well. But, but we do not see him who is made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the sufferings of death crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Many wow. sons of glory. That's what I see, uh, Nate. I think you're one of the ones in which God has not only marked from eternity past, but he's called out to proclaim his gospel, to go, for, go forth into the world and not be afraid of what lurks behind every corner, but to call out with the gospel. Don't be afraid to go into Applebee's. <laughs> And bring the, the light. Word and bring the word. Yeah. So that concludes our episode and our interaction with Mr. Nate. Nate, thank you so much for Appreciate coming. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, hey, Nate, man. Thanks for having me. You're welcome back anytime. And you'll hear him. We'll bring him oh, back. Yeah. Praise oh, he'll God be, he'll be from back. whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Who is a person? Amen. Here, here. Hold the line. Hold Amen. the line. Sons of Hold glory. the line. Thank you for listening to the Shield Wall Podcast. Our goal is to glorify Christ and strengthen the hearts of men. We've got more episodes on the way, so if you liked what you heard, subscribe and share. For more info and articles, visit our website, shieldwalldiscipleship.org. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Shield Wall Discipleship. Thanks again, and until next time, hold the line.